Hello and welcome to Female Founder Fridays. Today on the show, we have Steph Hahn, the CEO and founder of Cadence. Cadence produces specialty design capsules that make it easy to bring everything with you, starting with your wellness and personal care routine when you're on the go. Steph, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your background leading up to you starting Cadence? So my background, I'll start um, way back. Um, I'm a big rock climber. And so that kind of led to me in school. I did my study abroad in Melbourne, Australia, and I really fell in love with surfing and climbing and just ended up road tripping almost every weekend. Um, And at that point in time, I also had very, very sensitive skin. And so I was the only person bringing a giant bag of products around with me. And from that experience that, you know, movement bug gets in you. And so from there on out, I've always been someone who's enjoyed, you know, whether it be going to the gym before work or going out with friends weekend, weekend trip, you know, outdoors. Um, I was always, I would consider myself someone always on the move. And in school, I really focused on consumer behavior psychology and movement psychology. So how the way we move impacts the way we feel, obviously on top of business and another major. But after school, my career led me into film. So I ended up as the head editor for an international film tour. It was very much a startup, even though it had been established for quite a long time. We we hustled. I mean, it, it taught me it taught me the hustle um, in in a way that it carries through now. From that job, I was on a weekend climbing trip, and I was in the campground bathroom with my giant bag of products, and I had all these plastic little bottles and giant Ziploc bags with me, and I was rushing to finish my nighttime skincare routine um, when two other individuals came into the bathroom, and they also had their giant bags of products, and so I started talking to them, and really took away that more people have this problem than just me. And the the bigger takeaway was really the size of the problem is bigger than just travel, it's movement. So at Cadence, you know, while travel makes a ton of sense for our our product line, we're very, very interested in really the day-to-day way um, we as individuals and modern movers interact. And so that's our focus. And from there, you know, I would accumulated a year's worth of pain points of trying to bring this routine that was meant to power me at home with me. And so I just set about working on Cadence. That's beautiful. What experiences and learnings did you take from your previous then employment that you've seen apply now as you built your company also on your own? And then once you started getting team members as well? From my prior job, one of my biggest takeaways was this idea of having to be comfortable pivoting. I mean, you hear everyone talk about that, but as a video editor, you can work on, you know, a maybe five minute portion of an overall documentary for, for months. And you put your heart, your soul into it. You love it. You think it's amazing. And then on review day, you pop that into an hour long film and you realize, you know, it doesn't really work. And so there are often many times where people, they'll advocate for their piece because they've worked so hard on it. But it's not going to do anyone good if you leave it in and, and it, it's almost like rotten for the film because it doesn't belong. So that mentality has really, really benefited me with Cadence. There are so many things you spend time on or a path we believed we should go down. And then when you really listen to your gut and you take a step back, you realize, I need to rethink. And it's always an uncomfortable moment, but one that always leads to the best decision being made. And that is probably saved Cadence on multiple occasions. That's a wonderful takeaway. 
And then how did you start building out your team and also from being a young founder as well? So what were your building blocks for being able to have a team and to launch a product and a lot of acquire a lot of the skills that maybe weren't in your skill set before? When I started Cadence, I kept my full-time job for a year. I worked both jobs. I would work 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. I would drive an hour into Brooklyn and I'd meet my team. I'd come home at 1 a.m. and do the you know whole thing over. I was just super excited about that. Um, and I did that for about a year and a half. And then when I knew I needed to raise investment, that's when I quit my job. I knew I needed to be having meetings stacked on top of each other every single day. Um, and so then that's when I quit. But I never thought too much about it. When you find a problem that needs solving, and then you find that you as an individual have a lot of the skill sets you need to you know, get something done, which is something you end up loving. I never thought about the negative. I mean, I'm young. I definitely felt like now is the best time to go about it. I also feel like if you go get your MBA or you know, go to grad school, you could be dropping 100K on a master's that you don't end up using. So to me, the risk was never that high. And I definitely am an individual who learns the most through experience and being able to apply it to my own life. So I mean, I've learned so much more than I think I ever would have if I had gone to business school. So I never was afraid. I also feel like, you know, you hear when women talk about giving birth, they always say that, you know, there's some chemical in your body that erases how difficult that experience was. So you want to have kids again. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, if you were to know how hard it's going to be at the beginning, you would definitely think twice about it. But you kind of just launch yourself into it and something's really hard, it's super hard, and then you get past it and you kind of forget about it and then you keep moving on. And I think the biggest way you can propel yourself forward is by finding a good person or a good team. Um, and team is actually one of the most complicated parts of starting a business. When I started my company, I started it with my oldest friend and everyone tells you to be aware of that. And it, it's, it's not anything against the person you started with, it's just... People have different goals in life. Some people want to be up until five in the morning working on something and not socialize and not sleep and not take weekends off. And then some people do. So sometimes you just need someone to start it with, to feel like you have a partner, even if they're not, you know, the person who's your forever. And then things really ramped up for us when we found someone we could work on our engineering and, and product side with since we're such a product focused company. Um, and that's when the gears really started turning. But to any person listening who is you know a founder I would say embrace the fact that it's extremely lonely at the top you have to kind of be a mother and shield your team and you take the brunt of everything and then you know it's your job to always you know make sure everyone's okay always right and how did you find the people for your team for the start I'm a big believer in just telling everyone what you need and what you're looking for so I found our engineer because I was doing market research calls. I would ask multiple friends to introduce me to 10 friends. I would schedule a phone call with them, ask them a series of questions to make sure I better understood their experience and hone in our, on our target consumer. And in that process, I would tell everyone, hey, by the way, if you know an engineer or product designer, like, please let me know, because we had gone through multiple engineers. Everyone told us that product was not possible. They suggested you know, making all of these changes that would take away like what was special about the product. And so, I was really desperate to find an amazing engineer. I mean, what I was looking for was truly a needle in the haystack. Like I went to liberal arts school. I don't know any engineers. 
And then this one guy I happened to talk to was like, yeah, my best friend's an, an engineer. And he happened to be an engineer who worked for a tooling company and they end up becoming our manufacturers. So I know, you know, sometimes the question is like how much of entrepreneurship is luck versus skill. I feel like definitely there's that element of luck to it, but also if you don't say anything, you're never going to find your person. So all the people that I've really connected with have been through referrals. That's a great strategy. I mean, I am also of that abundance mindset that people talk about where it's actually better to speak about your dreams and your ideas than to keep them to yourself and be worried that people are going to, you know, take my idea. But for the most part, actually, people are more willing to help and more doors open the more that you that you talk about it. And especially when people see the inspiration in you, I think that's also very magnetic. So can you talk about your specific product? Because I know the Cadence capsules are unique in many ways. Can you highlight on the product side and then also on the business side? Because I know you have an environmental aspect to, to the product as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the capsule, basically, it's the next gen way to carry any of your personal care and wellness products on the go. So anything from supplements to SPF, jewelry, serums, and, you know, it could be for a trip. It could be for, you know, visiting a friend, a sleepover, going to your in-laws. We are all about that day-to-day as well. So picture um, a small little container that is hexagonal and it is magnetic. So you can build your honeycomb. We believe this is really important. Our three core pillars of cadence are sustainability, individuality, and design. And we feel like, you know, yourself best, your routine is constantly evolving. So you should have these magnetic capsules that you can toss in your bag and they'll stay together. So they'll bring you peace of mind, but you can also constantly be adding. Um, And so the capsules themselves have magnetic labels that go into the lid. You can pick from our standard options on our site. So you could pick our sun icon for your SPF, or you could pick our shampoo, or you could completely customize and, you know, type in your specific medication or skincare product. And our caps are also magnetic this way. You know, say if you're at the gym, you can unscrew your cap, you could stick it on the side and this way it never is on the dirty counter. So we've just really designed the capsule to eliminate any negative movement experiences you might have. The biggest thing for us is that it's totally and 100% leak proof. I personally have had so many (laughs) bottles break, leak on me, and it just can potentially ruin your whole day on top of your bag and your clothes or anything inside. So they are 100% leak-proof, extremely durable. We've tried to run it over with the car. It still stays intact. And so ultimately, that is the summary of the capsule on the features side. And then on the um, materials side, our products are made from recycled ocean-bound plastic. So it's made from that material, which is sourced from our partners um, in the USA. The company is called Envision Plastics. And they pay locals all over the world to collect plastic off of beaches which then gets reground and turned into our material. We also reuse all of the scrap generated from our manufacturing process, so there's no waste generated there. That's wonderful. Did you always think that you wanted to have this component of understanding the whole ecosystem and kind of contributing positively from that side as well? Yes, I mean, it's such a core part of our brand and also, you know, the it's cheesy, but, you know, the team. I mean, it really means a lot to us. All of our packaging is recyclable. Any marketing materials we do put in our packaging is on plantable wildflower seed paper, and all of our shipping labels are compostable. It means a lot to us, and we want to kind of take a stand in this industry that has almost been forgotten. I mean, 
In terms of single-use bottles, it's absolutely detrimental to the environment. And in the personal care space, we don't talk about it. I mean, think of all the times you've gotten samples or you go to a hotel. Luckily, you know, there have been a few bands that have been in support of this. But even think of waiting in line, say, at Sephora. You have all of those single-use, small, travel-sized products. They end up in, in landfills, and it's, it's pretty terrible. On top of that, you never trust that they're leak proofs. So then you toss that in a giant Ziploc bag. And we wanted to bring that to the forefront. We want to break up with travel size, single use. And we kind of want to, you know, change the way we do things so that we can be a little bit more conscientious of our planet. I love that. Can you walk us through how you thought about some of your milestones at the beginning? The biggest milestone at first was, you know, A, find an engineer, B, create a product and a design that we loved. Um, And we spent so much time on that. I mean, days on the tiniest of details because it all matters to to our brand then once we solidified the design it was finding a manufacturing facility and we were doing that in tangent so we ended up you know sometimes you don't see the things that are in front of you we were looking in asia and one of our great advisors was like well why don't you use the u.s company that you know our our engineer used to work at and we're like oh that's an amazing idea so they not only became investors, but it's awesome because they're in Bozeman, Montana. So all of our manufacturing is USA-based. And so it was solidifying that. And then, of course, our design for manufacture, which is a whole beast in and of itself. And then it was raising investment, which is a full-time job. And then once we raise investment, it's just eyes on the ball of launching. Right. And then from a more of your emotional journey as an entrepreneur, what were some things that you struggled with the most, whether it was, you know, the public speaking aspect of having to go and promote or whether it was encouraging and motivating the team or whether it was having, you know, to be in person showcasing the product? I would say I almost felt like I hit a wall when it came to raising investment because I'm a first time founder and I didn't come from another startup and I didn't go to Harvard Business School. And I don't think that the individuals I met necessarily doubted me. I think we all, we, I mean, even with investors who didn't invest, we keep in touch, have a great relationship. But more so, I found that venture capital wanted an assurance um, on the individual. And so I didn't have that check mark of assurance. And then on top of that, I realized that a lot of people in venture don't like investing in things that don't already exist. I at first thought that was pretty counterintuitive. But when I started talking to angels and we raised purely from angels and the majority of angels were prior founders, it was because they were visionaries and I needed to connect with people who were visionaries because they could see the vision of creating a product that really didn't exist or was so different from any product out there. I mean, it's very similar in a way to the reusable water bottle space. In the water bottle space, you went from a $2 Poland spring bottle to a $45 Sweller hydroplask. So, you know, it's kind of like the same concept. You're talking to an investor and you're saying, right now, this thing that, you know, is crappy but costs $4, we're going to ask people to pay more for it and it's going to be magnetic. And it's just a multitude of things. Um, People have a hard time broadening their imagination. And so I feel really lucky to have the angels we do. I mean, they're not only amazing advisors, but they've also been founders themselves. Um, And so they can really get behind the vision. 
Right. And I love how you said also that the capsules, I hadn't thought about that, that the top, you don't have to put it down. You can just like stick it to the side. So do you find it easy to ask for help or are you more of a, I'll figure it out on my own? I mean, sometimes you live it and sometimes you're diligent about thinking about it. So what was that experience for you? In terms of asking for help, that's how I make my decisions. I mean, I'm a young founder and I have a ton to learn. And so I would say the way we've been able to navigate has been by being comfortable reaching out and asking for help. Obviously, that is comes with the caveat of after we've tried, thought about it deeply ourselves, tried to figure out solutions. But at the end of the day, asking people who have done it before is the best thing. Um, and it's how I've always made decisions. I'm definitely someone who likes to source advice from multiple people. I talk to everyone who I trust. I get their thoughts. I digest them, basically. And then I will ultimately feel like I have all of the ingredients I need to make the best step forward. And then I feel comfortable making that decision. So asking for help, I think I could do it more, honestly. Asking, remembering, oh, our advisor is a specialist in this. You should make sure to ask them for help, um, you know, when you're trying to, you know, think through something in, in their realm of expertise. So I think it's absolutely key. And has there ever been a realization or a best advice that you've received or that you've read that totally changed the way that you looked at your business? I would say the biggest thing that's impacted the kind of business we've run has just been looking at the environment, you know, looking at the, you know, VC bubble and how all of that is, is working and being really strategic about who we bring on and take money from and all of those things and not just following the path because everyone goes down the same path. But advice that always stuck with me was from one of our advisors. She said, the minute you start talking about how hard something is or complaining about it, you are absolutely just wasting your time. And so obviously you can talk through it with your advisors and come up with strategic moves forward, but just complaining about it does nothing for anyone. What's a piece of advice that you think is pure fluff or that you don't agree with that people often repeat? Raised from friends and family. I think I'm not so in, I'm not like against the advice. I more so think we should ban asking that question. I mean, I think it's like the least actionable advice one could possibly ever receive. Your family either can help you or they can't help you. If they can, I assume you would have asked. If they can't, like what are you supposed to what are you supposed to do about the fact that your family doesn't have disposable income to be able to support your idea? I think it also creates this air of like only those who come from immense privilege can be entrepreneurs. And I mean, I think it's so much of the conversation happening today. So I'm a huge proponent of people just eradicating that from their list of things they advise. I mean, I think it's, I think it's offensive, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe the better pivot is like, obviously, getting the excitement of like, oh, have you told your friends and family? And like, are they hyped about the product? Like, did they sign up to be on your email list or whatever? And like, that's okay, then it makes it attainable for everyone. But yeah, I agree on the on the raising money side, like it depends. It's just not something that is available to everyone. What is something that you read or listen to often? I'm currently reading Richard Branson's Losing My Virginity, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. I feel like if you're working almost a 20 hour day, the last thing you want to do before you go to sleep is read like a self-improvement business book. But I feel like it is my job to be self-improving and reading about business. And so it's excited to find Richard Branson's book just because it is, I mean, his life is so exciting and incredibly inspiring. It's definitely an awesome read. So that's my reading. I also, while I'm eating breakfast every morning, I will read obviously the New York Times morning briefing. 
um, which is kind of my quick dip into the news. What groups or associations are you part of outside the main job? I would say most of my groups are at this point female founder groups. Um, I'll have like a mastermind call with a few founders on a Friday. We, we have different Slack groups and, and meetings for others. I honestly have not found the trick of being able to do it all yet. And so therefore, I haven't worked out in a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, my climbing community will always be very special to me and my climber friends. You know, if I can get out on the weekend and go climbing outdoors, I definitely, definitely will. Um, but I would say my, my female founder community is my main priority. And last one, if a founder is coming to you and they're like, I want to start something share some general wisdom or do you direct them? I direct people to books a lot. I direct people to TED Talks a lot. I direct them to my lawyer and a good CFO. Anything else that you want to say or share? Yeah, you can find us at keepercadence.com and on Instagram. And if anyone yeah, needs support or thoughts or help, any other founders out there, I'm super happy to help. Beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing your story and thanks for everyone listening. Hope you all learned something new and see you all next Friday. <laughs>